Yo, partnership alert, partnership alert, partnership alert. Living Corporate has a partnership with LinkedIn Learning, an American massive open online course provider that provides video courses taught by industry experts across a wide array of subjects. Now, the partnership is because Living Corporate has courses on LinkedIn Learning focused on diversity, equity, inclusion for leaders, career professionals, and anyone really looking to upskill themselves and be better allies. So make sure you check out our courses on LinkedIn Learning by clicking the link in the show notes. And let's just say you don't want to do that. You go to LinkedIn Learning on LinkedIn, search Living Corporate. We'll be right there. All right. Peace. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. And, yo, like, this is just a really, really interesting time for me, right? I think about this year. I think about all of the change that I've experienced. I think about all the change I'm actively experiencing. I think about Living Corporate. I think about the new professional relationships I'm building, the new personal relationships I'm building. I'm excited. And I also think about the fact that this year um, has been full of labor. And as I look at like where my key points of like contention and frustration have been, it hasn't been in that I've been laboring. I think labor in itself, labor is not inherently bad. What creates tension within the context of labor is how one honors or dishonors labor. Right. So like this idea, like a lot, you know, since the pandemic and it's really like the, the economic strains that have come with the pandemic and people leaving their jobs in mass in droves. Right. And, and then the highest numbers we've ever seen comes from folks just being disillusioned with these systems um, that have historically dishonored labor. And when I say like dishonoring labor, what I mean is uh, not in not, not enabling employees to benefit or partake in the fruits of their labor, uh, but really giving them scraps from the table, right? That happens for everybody. That's just the very nature of capitalism. It's um, capitalism, a, a, a way to view capitalism, like conceptually is um, an improper or dishonoring of labor, not effectively honoring labor. So. Um, you don't honor labor effectively when you underpay people, when you overwork people, when you don't give folks the resources that they need to survive and take care of their families, when you don't give folks uh, paternity leave, when you don't enable folks to get the type of health care coverages that they need for their lives, when you don't respect them, when you take advantage or exploit them, when you expect them to continuously go above and beyond without any real recognition or mechanism to reward performance, right? Like those are ways that we dishonor labor. And so, you know, I, I, I think it's okay to ask yourself if you're listening to this is like, do you believe that your labor is being honored wherever that is, right? Like whatever job you have. And then to ask yourself, like, what does it really mean for your labor to be honored? And if the place that you're at where you're working doesn't honor your labor, look, man, it's a hot market. Like, go take care of yourself. Go find some place that honors your labor. You know, I was really blessed. I'm just still 
immensely thankful that I had the opportunity to pivot away from consulting into a place that I believe has continued to honor my labor. And I think that's, again, it's rare, but they, those places exist. And, you know, points of dishonor in terms of how people mistreat you or don't appreciate your efforts or whatever the case is, like those things don't just start and stop. Like there's instances of it, large and small. And, you know, it's about making sure that you understand what your boundaries are, what your core values are, what your principles are, so that when you feel as if there's a misalignment, that you're able to then articulate what your expectations are. That's really important. I know for me, as I think about this transition, you know, Candace and I, uh, we've been really blessed to welcome our first child um, into the world. Emery, she's almost, she'll be two years old, y'all, in March. Y'all remember when she was on here crying and stuff? Y'all still here in the background if you listen to some older recordings. You know, we're continuing to look to expand and grow our family and like, I think about like, okay, what does it look like? Like, what is this, what does labor look like for me? Like in, in a corporate context? And then what does it look like? What do, what do I need so that I can feel like my labor is honored as I continue to be a father and a husband and an entrepreneur and a writer and a photographer and all these other things that I am, right? Like, and so, you know, it's a, it's a constant like check-in with yourself that you have to do, but it's important to do that. Like take the time to reflect. I think Again, like some of these systems, they're built to just like work you to death that you don't even have time to think. Like this year, like the the second half of this year, I had, I've had so much more time to think because I've been in a much less oppressive, racist, misogynistic, patriarchal, exploitative working context. And, you know, I pray that everyone can experience that as we get into 2022, like life is too short and the market is too high for you to be in a place that you're not content with, right? I had a really great conversation with my sister-in-law. It's like, everyone's looking to always optimize everything. So I'm not saying that, you know, your job is going to be perfect, right? Work is work, right? And I, I think that that's something that we as millennials, we don't really have peace with all the time. That work is work. It's a job. So there's going to be time when you're tired. There's going to be times when you're frustrated. There's going to be times when you're stressed out. Okay, you have PTL, you have other things. Use it, right? Take, take care of yourself. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's important to make sure that you're in a place that you're content, that you don't hate. Hating your job takes up so much of your energy, y'all. Like, that takes up so much mental, emotional, spiritual energy. Work somewhere that you don't hate. You don't have to work somewhere that you love. You don't have to love where you work, but you want to make sure that you don't hate where you where you don't want your workplace to be a, 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 a suck, a drain on you. That is toxic, right? Like, so, you know, again, that's my message. I, and I say all this because the conversation I had today uh, was, first of all, phenomenal. Um, speaking with uh, the director of diversity, equity, inclusion at Headspace Health, Cornell. Um, you're going to hear more about Cornell. He and I have a conversation. I love Cornell's frankness. I love his unapologetic brand. I love the fact that he speaks truth. And he's speaking in a way, he speaks in a way, and he, frankly, his brand is such that it's it's infectious, right? Like, it's empowering. Uh, it's important that you um, exist for, uh, you know, 
for not just for yourself, but for the people that are coming after you. So many times I feel like we exist for the people around us that may or may not even care about us, right? We exist for the comfort of others. And it's like, I mean, I don't know, like in 50, 60 years, 80 years, like when you die, like, does that really what you're going to be at peace with that you made everybody comfortable or do you want to be able to look back say that you you know you moved something you impacted something you empowered someone you amplified somebody you you magnified someone else right i think for me i just continue to think about like what does it mean just to live more and more bold every day and bold doesn't mean reckless bold does not mean inappropriately audacious bold really means purposeful, bold means authentic, and bold means, um, again, impactful. And so I'm really excited about y'all being able to check out this conversation today with uh, Cornell, the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Headspace Health. But before we tap in with that, we're going to tap in with Tristan. I'll see you in a minute. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. Today, let's discuss the top five growing career fields in 2022. First up is healthcare. The pandemic has had a huge impact on the healthcare industry and workers. After months of dealing with patients throughout the pandemic, over a third of healthcare professionals are considering leaving the profession. There has always been a shortage of skilled nurses, but the pandemic has intensified that. There will be a need for at least 500,000 more registered nurses by 2027. Next up is information technology. The increase in remote work, application, and smartphone development increased the demand for software and app developers. The Bureau of Labor Statistics Occupational Outlook Handbook predicts that the software development field will grow by 22% by the end of the decade, which means over 300,000 new jobs with a median salary of over six figures. Third is supply chain management. We've all had issues getting something we wanted since the pandemic began, so this field growing isn't really surprising. If you want to get into this field, you might want to consider roles such as purchasing agent, logistics analyst, distribution manager, or industrial engineer. Although many start out with a bachelor's degree, top earners have graduate degrees as well. Fourth is financial management. Financial managers are hired to examine a company's spending and income while looking for ways to maximize profitability. The Bureau of Labor Statistics predicts that this field will grow by 15% by 2029. According to the Occupational Outlook Handbook, the median income for financial managers in 2019 was $129,890. However, financial managers surveyed by Payscale reported a lower median of $76,800. Last up is actuaries and statisticians. Most actuaries work for insurance companies evaluating risks while statisticians analyze data to project sales, profit, and growth. Actuaries are expected to have a 20% growth rate by the end of the decade, and occupations like data scientists are projected to have 30% growth by 2030. With so many people considering exploring their options, it's important to know what fields may be hiring and which ones have the potential to keep growing. Remember, the key to any career shift is understanding how to leverage your skill set to help you get to where you want to go. 
This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Access Point. The reality is, this is the largest influx of black and brown talent corporate America has ever had. And as a result, a variety of talent entering the workforce are first-generation professionals. The other reality? Most of these folks aren't learning what it means to navigate a majority white workplace in their college classes. Enter the Access Point, a live weekly web show within the Living Corporate Network that gives black and brown college students the real talk they need and likely haven't heard elsewhere. Every week, our hosts and special guests are dropping gems, so don't miss out. Check out the Access Point on livingcorporate.tv. Cornell, first of all, it's been too long. Too long. Welcome to the show. How are Thank you doing? I'm I'm doing well, but you know, could be better. For could context, be better. you know, we're recording this on the day that Kyle Rittenhouse was found acquitted. Yeah. Yep. Um, of all his of, of uh, the charges that he had, felony yeah. felony counts and things of that nature. Like, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, you're the director of DEI at Headspace. Y'all are going through a merger. Yep. Headspace Health now. Headspace Health, because Headspace and Ginger came together. Exactly, exactly. Um, about a month ago, you know, you got on LinkedIn, and a bunch of people hit me up. Yep. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? I oh I do oh I do yep. <laughs> At this point, I bring it up myself these days. <laughs> it's like let's just talk about the elephant in the room. It went he- super. It went super duper viral. Yeah, um, it did. It did. And. I'm gonna let you talk, but for context for the listeners, like, you know, you just spoke frankly about the frustration several black folks specifically have in this space around um, just the dynamics of being in the role, like the complexity and the like, there's just odd, like there's this odd cocktail of power and mm-hmm. access and privilege and mm-hmm. office politics. Um, and like maybe not having enough power, but like this, it's just, it's, it's a really, unique dynamic i think that you know black dei professionals have but like anyway i'm i'm, I'm kind of talking around it because i really want to give you space to talk to it but you wrote mm-hmm. a very very frank post about yeah. your frustrations in a moment like talk to me more about what led to that and then like you know how you felt after you wrote it and then like what you know after you wrote that like because i saw it went super viral like yeah yeah which which i didn't literally so you didn't know a, come on Cornell. It totally like it was a just a regular Monday for me that day, it, it, right? I think it was a Monday. Yeah, it was a Monday, and it was a regular <laughs> Monday for me. Where and let me be honest, I blacked out. Okay, I, I okay. don't remember picking up my phone to uh-huh. type the words that I typed. Right? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. Remember any of like doing it right? Um, because I was just so emotionally triggered. And I think what people oftentimes don't understand about that post is they think that it's about this one moment in time or this one experience with this one organization. That post was indicative of- It was a culmination, right? Exactly, right? Like, And it wasn't even just about my work professionally. It was about being a Black gay man in this world. It was also about- the experiences of trans people, black trans people, and you know, and 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 knowing what they have to go through, and just being frustrated with all of it, right? Um, that we yet to ever see any kind of actual real progress 
that makes us feel that things are getting better. And to me, it, it's, 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 you know, the things we do see are breadcrumbs that really are a part of a larger pie that we could be given right now. But the powers that be will never give us that pie, right? <laughs> they, they, they keep sprinkling the breadcrumbs on a trail and we're supposed to be happy with that. And so that moment was really, really frustrating. So posting that on Instagram, then posting it on, you know, LinkedIn. And yeah, it went viral. I think 14,000 something uh, reactions and over, I want to say 2,000 comments on it as well um, with other people who do this work saying yes, 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 yes. And it wasn't anything, you know, uh, you know, articulate. It was a couple of, of uh, sentences, right? Of just like, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. And I still am. <laughs> no, 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 100, no, 100%. <laughs> And I hear you. It was funny because I spoke with some folks who, you know, who saw it. They were like, yo, did y'all see that brother? I don't know. Who, I don't know. Do y'all anybody know him personally? Like, yo, mm -hmm. he really was able to put, you know, words. to. And it's curious, right? It's like how speaking up still is like taboo in some way, so mm -hmm. many ways. Yeah. Like just speaking, just speaking honestly, like I still think that black emotion, black frustration or black just angst yeah. is still some of the most like. It's just still so mistreated today. Like yeah. we still, right? Like I think I think it makes I think there's nothing that that makes white folks and like just white institutions more uncomfortable than black people being honest about their feelings. Exactly. Exactly. You know what well, I mean? And you know, quote unquote, professional about it, or if you outright setting shit on fire, right? Like it don't matter what part of the spectrum <laughs> you're on, it don't matter. There's always yeah. something, right. I've noticed, I've noticed that, right? Like I've been in context where, you know, um, you know, my mother was an English teacher uh, before mm -hmm. she became a principal. So like, you know, my vocabulary, my, you know, my speak, like, I'm pretty great. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I, you know, there's context where I'm speaking with like phenomenal diction. I'll use multiple, mm -hmm. multiple syllable words, you know, I'm and like, mm -hmm. but like, it's, you know, I've, I've, and I've expressed frustration in that way. And then I've also expressed frustration with one syllable, four exactly. letter words, yes. and the response, the core response is still the same. It's always like, the same. Yeah, they don't want to hear that. Honest. Yeah, so it's tough, right? Like in this space, I mean, I'm curious, like as, as we talk about like, you know, this, like this, the intersection of mental health and diversity, equity, inclusion, like how are you wrapping your arms around this space? Like you've, your background is really unique, right? Like we, we connected, I think back when you were still working at HBO, I want to say. No, no, no. So, um, no, I was at, I was at, uh, I was at Google. You were at Google. I was at Google. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. were you at before Google? At before Google was at Looker. Looker. So okay. Small yeah, 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 Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that got acquired by Google, and then you know I left Google to come to Headspace. Yeah, I mean, you know, this time in my career, I am really, really thinking about how unapologetically honest. I want to be right. You know, when I first started my career, you know, you, you're very careful about how you, you know, the honesty is almost like having a couple of tokens. Right. And so it's like, I don't got a few of these. Right. And I can only be direct and honest a couple of times before I end up getting fired. And so I'm going to use these sparingly. Right. I'm going to use them every like, when it really matters. And now right. I'm kind of like, nah, I'm gonna always be honest. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into debt with tokens because I'm gonna always be honest about what's happening because what they will never say is that he never told us. Well, I was going to, cause like, and like, I, I, I don't think you're old. I'm curious. Like how old are you? I'm 34. Okay. I'm 32. 
Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I think about like, you know, it's, it's just interesting. I also think there's, there's a generational dynamic to it too, right? Like I talked to my grandfather who's 80 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we talked about living corporate, like as a concept, he was, yeah. and I was like, yeah, you know, like we call out white supremacy and we talk about how these organizations need to change. And he said, he said, you know, son, you can't be out here being too honest, you know? Uh-huh. And, and it was, and it's kind of like, you know, I think that carries on. I think like I think there's some a lot of black Gen X folks who think like that, black baby Absolutely. boomers. And we're conditioned to do and I, I think it's for me, I'm kinda like and I've talked to my parents about it. And my parents are some of my biggest champions, of course, my wife. Yeah. But like it's just like, what are we like you're waiting, you're not you're holding on to this truth to right. what end? Like what are you what are you what are you going to accomplish? Yeah, like what are you gonna accomplish? Like if you don't if you don't tell the truth now. Yeah. Or you like, do you feel like you're going to get more money? Do you feel like you're going to get like, what do you think you're going to get? Yeah. Yeah. By by being silent. That's a real question. I don't know the answer. Yeah. I, and, I, and I imagine that there's a, a, a diverse, you know, uh, uh, option or answers that people will have to that question. Right. For some people, it is job security. Right. Mm-hmm. If I just if I'm chill, I get to keep you know, making my money because, and and to me, that's real. Right. And I, I, here's the thing, I would never fault anybody from a historically excluded group who may sit in my seat or may sit in other seats for not being honest. Like, you know, I don't know their situation. Right. Right. Um, But for me, you know, I, I I have a, a level of privilege for me, you know, financially, I have no children. Yeah. You know, I have mm. well, my husband and he, he has a job as well, but like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll find something, right? And so I don't have a, a serious amount of responsibilities where being honest could 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 ruin me, right? Whereas a lot of people, they're taking care of their family, their moms, their grandparents, and I respect that and I totally understand it. So for me, this is a choice that I've made, you know, that I have to be honest. It's 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 a part of my my value set that direct honesty is just absolutely critical. And I've always been that way. When you, when I look back on my life, I, I used to get in trouble for being honest and saying things that I shouldn't say. But I was like, but I didn't say nothing wrong. I just said the, the, the truth. truth. <laughs> like I was middle school Cornell saying that. <laughs> and my nickname in middle school, the teachers used to call me Johnny Cochran. Because I was always- You was on it, huh? Always. I was always like, yeah, but- he ain't do nothing wrong. That was, you said this, right? And they're like, shut up. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. like, and I think that's just care. And I think the universe, whatever you want to call it, the universe, God, whatever, right? Buddha, Allah, like was preparing me for this moment of like, nah, we need the truth tellers. Right. To say what needs to be said. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think I'm I'm trying to understand, like, as we talk about like, Again, like just like this intersection of mental health and diversity, equity, inclusion. Like, how do you look at your role? Like, and like, what what are you seeing? Like, from a trend, like from a trend perspective, mm-hmm. like like I'm like just what like what are you seeing thematically out there? I mean, this role is it, to me is always a like we don't own any of the processes and systems that we're trying to impact, right? We don't own marketing, we don't own products, we don't own content, we don't own hiring. We are super influencers, right? Where we got to work through people in order to get things done. And all of that is in the effort to help people who have been the one and only on their teams Mm -hmm. to not be that, to help them build community, right? Mm -hmm. 
which is directly connected to quality of life and mental health and things of that sort, but also to give people the skill set and wherewithal to be more mindful about how they show up and what they say and how they behave and how they respond Mm -hmm. to people across difference, right? Which Mm -hmm. is also a severe mental health concern, right? Because if you're Mm -hmm. constantly coming into the workplace, dealing with microaggressions, dealing with ignorance and dealing with being the one and only and, and all the different things, you are not having a one, a, a space of belonging, a space of, of inclusion, psychological safety, none of that. Mm-hmm. So this role, people in this field are helping to create all of that so people can just show up and just be, right? And, and, yeah. and help those, you know, those folks who need to be doing this work, uh, in, in my opinion, particularly white, cisgendered, straight men. And, and you know, at, at, at the top of the food chain, they Word. wouldn't this work but let me not sit here and also be very clear too that Mm -hmm. you know when it comes to i'm also a a gay man right Mm -hmm. and my people of color colleagues also need some work on how they show up for trans and lgbtq people as well right and gender all those different things so Mm -hmm. we all have to do and that's what this work is about it's about turning that shit on its head and saying like we've got to do better in order to create safer spaces for people to just exist you know, it's interesting speaking to like speaking to you being a gay man, like I'm trying to figure out, like, I want to how do I ask this question? It's like, do you believe that there are certain presumptions that people make when you show up in the room, like when you show up in corporate rooms, because you may be you might be like straight presenting or like not in, in certain certain contexts, may people may not just assume that you're gay. Like, do you think like have you been in con- in situations where like folks just make presumptions about where you stand on things or oh, like how sure. you feel. Oh my goodness. All the time, all the time, uh, particularly around um, trans issues and definitely around LGBTQ issues. Cause not everybody always reads me, particularly in this virtual world. People Word. Know, like when you're not around me all the time, you're not hearing me talk about my husband and things mm-hmm. that sort or whatever show I'm whatever, you know, other, you know, signs that may, I guess, may tell you that I might mm-hmm. be gay or whatever, but you, you're absolutely right. I've also had that experience just being on the, on a New York city train. Right. And you have this mm-hmm. role them presenting individual and this black man looks at me and rolls it and says, oh, you know, like thinking that we're going to be in solidarity about the, you know, about being disgusted this, about the fed man. And I look at him and I cross my legs too and go, nope, not over here. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, I have definitely been in rooms where I get read differently, but, you know, um, or people assume what I think of what my politics are and what my yeah, values yeah. are. And, and I have to correct people and go, nah, we're not on the same page here, actually. Yeah. It's just like, to your point, like there is work that needs to be done, right? Like so much so. Um, and, and it's around, I know people just use this word and it's annoying. Like it's, the word is great, but people mm-hmm. use it like, um, like if you ever eat like at a like a black restaurant, uh-huh. they sprinkle parsley on the food to make it look uh-huh. fancier. Right, right. Like and people kind of do that with the word intersectionality. They kind of yes. like to sprinkle it on stuff. But <laughs> but, yes. but intersectionality is a, like a really powerful concept. It's super important. Yes. Like, and I think like especially when you talk about like just queer identity, yeah, and, and its intersection with like black and brown communities. Like, there's so often like these talking points that really like pit historically marginalized groups against each other and it ends up actually kind of like erasing the experiences and, and 
right of of black and brown people and like look living corporate is a platform for every every for historically marginalized people mm-hmm. and i'll quickly let people know like people hit me up and be like oh well do y'all not talk about um like queer identity or trans i'm saying actually like you can look at our catalog we talk about that quite a bit absolutely um, and and you're going to notice that like i'm always going to zoom in on the intersections i'm always going to look at like black and brown queer people I'm always, and i'm going to always talk about black trans women like consistently exactly. right and like i guess like as you look at this DEI space, my question to you is like, what does it look like to bridge this divide and have people think more intersectionally? Like to me, it still comes down to white supremacy, but like I'm not gay. So like I, I would love to hear your perspective. I do think it does come down to white supremacy, right? Because I think it's white supremacy that seeks to keep us divided because they know that if we come together as a powerful force, right? So if we continue to spend our time fighting each other, you ain't got time to come after the actual problem, right? And to right. be clear for folks who might be listening and who are white and hear that word and think, well, why is it us? I'm not necessarily talking about necessarily white people. We're talking about right. a concept of that, that, um, has been has been perpetuated by people of color and but built and created for and benefited by white folks um, that, you know, whiteness is greater and that, uh, you know, there isn't enough seats at the table in order for everyone to be able to thrive and not just survive. So And so this is a, a concept. This is a cultural norm that exists within society. And yeah, I do believe that it comes down to white, to white, white, white supremacy, which is why we're constantly talking about all the time. When we were talking about anti-Asian hate and we were talking about, you know, the, the black folks who were on tape, you know, on video attacking elderly Asian people in San Francisco and, and black people were pissed that we were, you know, talking about that and talking about how we need to really address the issue between black and Asian communities. And the first thing black people said was, well, but they be, you know, they're racist towards us. And it's like, yeah, that's an individual. You can't blanket that on an entire culture of people any more than you can blanket all black people hate Asian people. Right. Right. What you talk about is what caused this? Because some Asian people aren't my problem. Right. right. Someone told me they were. Right. And culturally have just passed that down from generation to generation. And it's the same on the Asian side, right? Black people aren't Asian people's problem, but someone told them that black people were and it gets passed down. We're doing white supremacy's work without even knowing it. Mm. Yeah, man. hundred percent. As you think about this space, and especially as you talk like just you think about like your company, your organization, like what are you excited about as the director of DEI? What gets you energized about Headspace Health in this season? Yeah. You know, one, I think a merger is always an exciting time because, you know, sometimes new leadership and, you know, there's a change in the guard sometime. And so you get an opportunity to really set a new relationship with some new people. Um, but that also can be really um, scary at the same time because you don't know what you're always going to get. Right. So, you know, I, I'm excited about the opportunity to be able to almost reset and, and really uh, build a new relationship with some new leaders and rebuild relationship with older leaders who are you know, remaining on to really say, how do we recommit ourselves to uh, liberation, right? Not even just diversity, mm. but actual liberation, right? Mm-hmm. Which to me is beyond the belonging piece too, right? But we don't, we don't, we don't talk about that. Um, we don't. <laughs> I think the other thing um, is how I'm personally approaching the work. I think that post that I that went viral was indicative of how much I allow this work to really impact me emotionally, mentally, and physically. And so I've had 
some conversing with myself, um, really understand like if I'm going to be in this work, I have to do something differently um, than what I was doing. I thought my mental health practice was 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 working, but it's right it, now it's time to ante up and figure out a new regimen of how do I sustain myself in this work. So I'm excited about that, mm-hmm. but I'm also excited about the number of people at my company who when they saw the post and even you know just the other day when you know we had some big conversations around diversity were very vocal publicly right not just to me on slack one-on-one but Mm. publicly supporting what i say when i say it um and showing the powers that be like yo this isn't just cornell saying this He, he he does speak for all of us whether we're white straight cis Yes, we too also want to see the, the the organization that Cornell was talking about here. And that excites me to know that there are a lot of people at my company right now who who believe that and feel it and are constantly ready to step up. Yeah, that's exciting. Cornell, man, I just I appreciate you. Like I, I'm really excited about the work that you're doing. I'm excited about your voice. I'm excited about your boldness, man. And I'll say this. I'm excited that you still where you at because yeah. I know we were talking about being brave and stuff, but you're right. Like those fears, those fears are real. Like in terms yeah. of like, and I, you know, I, I I think it's a super fair call out to say how we judge on how other folks survive. Like I try to be careful about that. You know, my yeah. only my only issue is when you're silent at the detriment or harm of somebody, right? Like sure. if, you're, if, if you're that silent, then you should find something else to do. Like just find a job where you ain't got to talk. You know what I mean? Like, just go, I don't know, be a pantom, like be a mime, like, you know, like do something else. But like, if you're in a position of leadership and you know your words can help and you right. don't speak, that's right. when I take issue. But I, but I do hear, but your point is well received that like, you know, you, you are coming from a different position that like you are, you know, you don't have any kids. Maybe, maybe your scope of responsibility right. might be a little bit smaller, Right. Um, but I still would challenge that. Like, you know, for folks who are listening to this, like, Figure out a way to help where you can, right? You don't have to be on the front line making super yes. bold or spicy social media posts. Yes. But there's conversations you could be having. There's things that you can that. do, right? Like, like the doing nothing is uh not the answer. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure, for sure. And I'm 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 glad you came back to that because I do think I always tell people in the workshops that I do, I say we there's always something. We can do right. What you do may not necessarily be so public as what I do, but it can be the thing, the one on one conversations you have with people to say, hey, this is what we're talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. It could be the articles you share. Right. You know, that that help educate people on the facts of what's going on. Um, But, yeah, to, to be silent is to be complicit with this stuff and is to also do the work of white supremacy and toxic masculinity and all those you know the different things if we're not constantly trying to push back in some way so i I was talking about locus of control what is in my locus of control that i can have an impact on right and that's i think is super critical for all of us to um reflect on man i love that i think we're gonna leave it right there uh cornell man thank you so much we can see you a friend of the show look forward to having you back Um, i'm really excited about like Again, like black folks are so black and brown folks are so underserved in the mental health space, like for a variety of reasons that really tie back to like to white supremacy. But like I'm excited about the fact that like there's someone who is passionate, knowledgeable um, in this space, like working in like just a very exciting field. So we look forward to having you back and we'll talk to you soon, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yo, and we're back. I want to thank Cornell again 
Really loved our conversation. Shout out to Headspace Health. Shout out to protecting your mentals. You know, you know I think I've I've mentioned it some at least a couple times uh, before, but you know, I have my own journey that I'm on regarding my own mental health and the therapy that I'm going to and I continue to go to and the, and the things that I do to manage my mental health because this world is oppressive and we all have challenges whether we want to admit it or not and I just I'm really thankful that there's someone that looks like us who exists in multiple places who's doing the work to make sure that there is accessible mental health resources for black and brown people for historically marginalized people I really want to encourage if there's anyone listening to this who feels like they're not being heard or they feel really alone or they feel like they're in a dark place, like to make sure uh, that you check out Headspace Health. There's a couple other resources in the show notes. Make sure you check those out. And look, you are the most important thing. You have value here simply because you're breathing in and out. Okay. So don't let any other measure um, determine for you how valuable you are or if you're valuable at all because you are valuable and uh i love you all right so take care of yourself this has been zach catch y'all next time peace living corporate is a podcast by living corporate llc our logo was designed by david dawkins our theme music was produced by ken brown Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.